by, <laughs> by the way, the kids are going to be in this service. So I've got to get my, like, makeup out and bells and whistles. And kids, I have none of that. So uh, you totally can get into your clipboards. I should grab the Bible. Um, I was saying to my wife this week that you know you've been at a church often if you, if you can see where people's spots are before you get there. So I'm going to just look around and see if there's anyone we need to call out as calling, causing a rift in the church. Do you guys know that, that spots, that's a thing? Do you, do you guys know that? You know what? Take somebody else's spot. You're going to find out it's a thing, right? And... Uh, Man, I've been, kicked, I've been kicked out of a spot before, right? And, and, and that was really a, a deal. Um, this is part two. When was I here last? I was here um, about a month and a bit ago. So that's close enough to do a second part, I think. Um, fortunately, it's really relevant. And, and fortunately, God has really crushed me uh, this week with it, so, so that's good. Um, last week, we t- or, or, not last week, but last time I was here, last week I was here, we talked about what? What, what, was, what does KISS stand for again? Okay, okay, who said keep it simple saints? Okay, that's the landmark version, right? We talked about that, <laughs> right? Keep it simple stupid is the general terms, but... <laughs> But the saints part, that's for LCF. Okay, I just want to get that on tape again. It's for LCF. Uh, And we talked about God wanting to fill us with the greatest level of love for him that we could fulfill the greatest commandment. So he asks us to 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 love him with our whole being at the cost of everything else. But he doesn't just do that. He also equips us to feel that love towards him. And so it's, it's really a slam dunk, pitch over the plate. It's a gimme. God is so generous. And we talked a little bit about idols and how idols are the direct enemy of having a real Uh, fulfilling love for God in our hearts. So part two is the second part of the greatest commandment. And we're still keeping it simple, saints. So I'm going to read this again. We're in Matthew 22, but we're hardly going to be there. So um, Jesus, of course, gets provoked. And everybody wants to see if he'll mess up when they ask him what they think is hard questions. And he says, when they ask him, what is the greatest commandment? And this is what Jesus, all-knowing, the best person who ever lived, said this to Christians then and Christians now. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, which he supplies, all your soul, which he allows us to do, with all your mind, which he controls. This is the great and first commandment. And realistically, if we get this one right, in a lot of ways, we're going to slide into the other ones. 
except the second one is almost harder than the first. And I'm going to tell us why in a second. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. So, pastors love to do this, and I'm still kind of a pastor in my heart. So, who is our neighbor? Do pastors like to do that? Who's our neighbor? Everyone. Okay, so, so look around, and anyone you see in this room is your neighbor. All of them, whether you like them or not. We're going to talk a lot about that today because it's no fun. Listen, it's no fun talking about how God commands us to love the people in our life that are lovable. That's a gimme. That's not worth preaching about. That's easy. Our, I, I guess not everybody's spouse. My, my spouse, and I'm not getting any points by saying this because she's not here, is extremely lovable. She doesn't have a rigid bone in her body. Um... She's just very pleasant all around, right? Good for me, whatever, you can leave now, that's fine. But like, <laughs> if I ever come and do a, a, a series on marriage, I'll have no credibility. You guys will be like, you can't tell us anything. God hasn't done anything in your marriage. You already said your wife's perfect. <laughs> Not perfect, but extremely pleasant. It's no fun talking about how God desires us to love lovable people. So I don't want to talk about that. And I walked right into a trap when I decided that, and I didn't know it at the time. Because I, I want to let you guys in on a little secret. I am really good at loving lovable people. I'm like really good. Okay, yeah. I look at you folks and I can hardly restrain myself from just going full hug mode. Probably a lot of you don't feel that way. You're like, we're not there yet. But, but I'm there. And, and, it, and I know you guys. It's been a long time. How long has Paul been here? No, I haven't beat Paul. Okay, I've been here as long as Paul has. There you go, just saying. Even though it's about a tenth of the time. But that's not the point. I look at you folks and I just, wow. The saints of LCF. And I think of my congregation in Steinbach and I think, wow, the saints of Calvary Church. There's my Calvary Church plug as I'm somewhere else. No, no, no. But man, babies are just so lovable. I'm doing God's work when I'm loving on a baby, right? God wants us to love people. Babies are people sometimes when they're not screaming. That's controversial, eh? <laughs> I'm having fun today. It's a good day. But I'm horrible when it comes to loving people that aren't so lovable. Oh. And then I just got nailed to the wall today. Oh, man. Now I don't want to preach about it. But this is the word of God, and this is, this is important. And I think, like me, we all might struggle from time to time 
feeling all lovey and acting all lovey to the people around us that aren't so lovey. They don't think like us, they don't talk like us, they don't act like us, they don't believe like us, they don't behave like us, they don't validate us, and then the feelings aren't there. And hey, this is our culture. If the feelings aren't there, then you're off the hook. I'm not saying that, and the Bible's not saying that, but I think our culture says that. We fell out of love, we grew apart. Just wasn't working anymore, but we're still best friends. That's like a broken relationship, okay? When you could be married and then still stay best friends, and, and the world thinks, man, you guys, you guys know how to do this. What a happy ending, that, that the marriage didn't work for you, and so great, you found an even better way to do it. Something wasn't working well in that marriage for it to just transition to best friends and, and moving on. But that's a rabbit trail, and I don't, I don't wanna be that guy. So what I wanna talk about, and what I feel it's important to, to, to land on today is not that Simply that God, when he fills us with his love, that in the origins of time was simply shared between God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. A perfect, perfect love relationship where no one lost, no one gained, no one was lesser than, and it missed nothing. God didn't need us so he could show his love. He didn't need an expression of his love. He simply was so full of love and satisfaction in the relationship with the Son and the Spirit that he wanted everyone to participate with that. God is so full of love without any additives that he created people to shower love on. And that's the gimme. He, God made us this way to have so many of these receptors that we could find his love inside of us. And that was a lot of what part one was. Part two is God now wants us to do something with it. He doesn't want it just to stay as this thing where we sit in a room and we enjoy God's love and that's our day after day after day. That would be to a detriment. God's saying, get this first part right, and then I want you to express it to the people around you. I want you to, I want you to gush all over them as I've gushed all over you. God is a generous God, and he invites us to feel his love wholeheartedly, but then he wants it, to come through everywhere we go. And not just with the people that it feels easy to do. Now, this is Jesus in Luke. We're gonna be in Luke chapter six for a period. Then we're gonna be in Romans 12 for a period. You can turn to either of those. Um, they're really speaking the same language. And here's one of the things Jesus liked to do. He liked to take the command, true or false, kids, True or false? 
Ready, kids? Jesus liked to take a command and make it harder. True or false? False? That's a bit of a trick question, actually. Okay? Because Jesus, in some ways, wanted to elaborate on it. He wanted to expand it. Right? He says about adultery, don't just commit adultery. Don't, don't even think about committing adultery. Or don't even desire having anything adulterous. So he always takes it back to the heart. And here's what he's doing in Luke 6. So in some ways, it is false because Jesus is inviting people into a deeper freedom and a deeper blessing. But he's also making it broader and more detailed. He says this in Luke 6. So think of the second greatest commandment, love your neighbor and, and everyone's our neighbor as yourself. This is verse 27 of Luke 6. But I say to you who hear, love your enemies and do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. Right now, it sounds like he's making it harder. Because now we have to be loving to the people who not only we don't like, but who have wronged us in a lot of valid ways, probably. It's tough. To the one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other. And the one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who begs from you, and from one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back, brothers and sisters. Think about that in the home. Wow. I got to read that again. That's hard. <laughs> that is hard. Um, I got little kids. Give to everyone who begs from you. Okay, but that doesn't mean that parents should allow whining. Right? We still want to say no whining. Um, <laughs> what? Where am I? And from the one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. As you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. And if you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. That is hard. That is a hard word. But Jesus doesn't call us to easy or comfortable or natural. And he's giving, he's, he's giving away his hand right there. Jesus likes asking for impossible things. These are impossible things. And he likes asking that because he's setting us up to have to go and cling to him. And that's really loving because that's the best place to be. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. It says again in Luke 14, don't invite anyone to your house for a banquet because heaven forbid they might invite you back and now you've been paid back. 
And what act of love and goodness was that then? That's a hard one, right? We actually have our stopwatches set when somebody invites us or we invite somebody to our house. When they leave, like when the last tire is off the driveway, we set our timers and we put it there on the microwave and we go, okay, how long is it going to take them to give us the invite back to their house now? It's, it's true. Sorry, it, it, it is true, okay? And heaven forbid, how long does it take for the pastor to know you're hurting? Watch this going. We, we time everything because we want it to be fair and even. Again, God is calling us to difficult things. But free things, like, think about this. This sounds really hard. Not only do we have to love the people that actively wrong us, not bother the people that take our money and say, see you later, not invite us back when we've cooked them a delicious meal and shown them a great time and it was laughs and prayed them out and all this great stuff, but we have to do that and and like it. And find the reward in not getting paid back. Sounds a lot like Jesus wants us to act like Jesus. There's a lot of research in the Bible that points towards Jesus spending his life on other people. And finding the goodness in spending his life on other people. He got nothing back. Especially nothing back in the moment. Didn't have a house, didn't have a private jet. He was the greatest evangelist who ever lived. The greatest prophet that ever walked the earth. The greatest man that, like he's just the greatest at everything. And he, he willingly took the worst from a people that that really didn't want him there. And his whole goal was, I'm gonna do the will of my father. I'm only gonna do what he tells me. If you don't like what I'm doing, take it up with him, because I'm only gonna do what he tells me. The greatest man who ever lived put his whole life into the hands of his father. That's a, he's amazing. But it's, it's such a challenging place that he calls us. It's impossible. Hear this portion from Romans. Again, it's just, it's, it's so good though. Romans 12, verse nine. <laughs> Let love be genuine. Come on, come on. Abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Again, love all your one another's with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. For the sake, and and this would be speaker's uh, addition to this, for the sake of showing honor, 
not for the sake of receiving honor. Do not be slothful in zeal or lazy in zeal. Be fervent in spirit, serve the Lord, rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer, contribute to the needs of the saints, and seek to show hospitality. And again, verse 14, bless those who persecute you. Not say nothing, not be passive aggressive, not shut down, not go cold, not slander, not mark them up on Facebook, not kill them in your heart. Bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Again, that's the, the all one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay, one another, re, repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. This verse is fantastic. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peacefully with all. You know what that means? It's always your problem. It's always your responsibility to fix it, always. I'm not telling you anything hard. I'm simply standing up here and reading scripture and getting dinged with everybody else. It's so good. God is so good. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. That's hard. That's what forgiveness is. It's saying, God, you actually get to pay this person back, not me. That is hard. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. And he's quoting Proverbs here. For by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. Has anyone experienced having burning coals heaped on their head? That's a strange term. And by the way, I'm not saying literally, who here has had burning coals poured on their head? Let's see the scars together. How painful was it? Was the ICU friendly? Figuratively, that's a hard term. Who's had burning coals heaped on their head? Full disclosure. <laughs> Me, the pastor, who has gone into the workforce to save the workforce, those wretches that need a glowing, godly man like me to come and save them. I'm being so sarcastic. <laughs> Everyone's like, yeah, we got that. We weren't buying all the self-exaltation stuff. I went into the workforce just so jacked up to bring a light to the workforce. And I, and I realized, and here's the hard thing I realized, if, if, if you don't come with a pretty bright light, 
you're not going to do very well. Because <laughs> it's sometimes really dark in there. And, and there aren't people looking to see if they can top you up. Here's what I mean by burning hot coals. <laughs> there are people that I work with that are a lot different than I am. That's good. That's why you need Christians in the workforce. Because they can bless and care for and, and bring something different that stands out to those people. But here's what I mean by burning hot coals. This guy and I had a bit of a, you know, guy or girl, whatever, I don't want to call anybody out. <laughs> I already said guy. This guy and I had a disagreement. And, and I, was, I was being the light, of course, kind of stewing on it, which is actually dumping, burning hot coals on yourself. Um, so I was just stewing on it as a good Christian would, as a good light, <laughs> right? And I was upset, and I, so I'm saying nothing. And I know this is bad, and I know the devil's winning, and I know that, you know, I, I'm not being a good witness, and this person who I disagreed with, who is so much different than I, comes and makes peace with a situation that I never expected them to make peace about. They saw that something was the matter, and they said, and, and they actually pulled me aside and they wanted to work it out. And this isn't a person who probably looks to work it out a lot. And my takeaway from that was extreme humility, extreme humility in the best way. And I say, God, you made the verse make sense. I've had hot coals poured on my head. And it was just amazing. I was so ashamed that me, the believer, and we're not gonna get into condemnation here, but, but I think that's a little glimpse when God says, I want you to go after the most abhorrent per person in your life. And I want your goodness and your grace and your patience and your love and your blessing on them to, to bring them to a place where they feel ashamed of the love that you have for them knowing how they've treated you. It's not condemnation. And it's in, in some ways, it's not even punishing them. But there's this response of, I've been so horrible to you. And you've been so good to me. And I can't make any sense of that. Now that is a relevant thing for Sundays. Because we're going to leave here and maybe even in the van have some situations because people play different roles in their family. I mean, come on. Sometimes they're the lovable people and sometimes they're whatever, right? <laughs> nobody's nobody's going to admit that. God's plan for the outrageous love that he has poured lavishly in our hearts is been that he would amaze us, but that he would be 
befuddle the world at the ability for us to overlook horrible people doing horrible things and love them unconditionally. Now you got lanes all wide open. Always have a reason for the hope that is within you. But how do we get the people to see any hope within us? I believe this is a big way. We have to love the people around us that it isn't so natural to do. God only takes over when we got nothing to give. And that's why he calls us to impossible things. And that's why it's so hard to love hard people because the feelings aren't there because those would be natural feelings. God wants to get the glory with supernatural acts within us. He wants us to be so full of the supernatural love that we didn't deserve, that we couldn't earn. You know, I used to say the only thing we can give God is our service for how he saved us. And I don't know if I believe that anymore. I believe even greater than that, the thing we need to give God for him saving us is our gratitude. And start with that. Service can get icky. an educated word it gets icky around that service y'all gratitude keeps our hearts pure it's gonna look so different to the world but it can't be something we do that's what makes it so so hard so hard. The book of John has, is my favorite book. Chapter 15 is one of my favorite chapters, and we all know it well. The vine and the vine dresser. We are the vine. Well, Jesus says he is the true vine, but we would be the branch. Do you know what I meant? He tends us. And it's sometimes painful. He says this, and this, this is the answer to the question of why does God call us to do impossible things? It says in verse four, abide in me. Abide is, is a fancy word of saying remain, hold fast, stick close to me. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you abide unless you abide in me. Fruit is the fancy figurative word of us doing really anything that pleases the Lord that we would hope that would count for eternity. Right, storing up treasures in heaven in Matthew 7 is us, through the power of God, doing things that in eternity, God will say, boy, you didn't do any of that, but you were faithful and obedient. 
anything that we hope to do needs to survive our death and the judgment seat of God. Where God says, you can't take any... Okay, great, gracious moment again. The things God calls you to do in your life are things that you haven't done for yourself and can't get any glory for doing, but they're going to be the things that you are so ridiculously rewarded for in heaven. He's gonna reward you for the things you didn't do. Well done, good and faithful. Like, that's gonna be for all the stuff you went, I kind of fluked that one out. I showed up and it happened. And I had a little bit of faith. God will not share the credit. But at the end of time, he is going to be pleased. Wow. So, And yet it's so hard to abide. Like, we just want, in our very core, we just want to do things that last. When death comes and speeds us up, we just want to fill our lives with the things that last. Now I want to pour into my children. Now I want to go preach the gospel. Now I want to go be more loving. Now I don't want to miss the small things. Now I want to be present in all these difficult opportunities. Now, now, now. Because we realize eternity is coming. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. I was thinking about this. The gospel of Matthew talks about uh, the end of time. And this guy who gets to heaven and says, what? He says, look at what I all did for you. I wasn't only a good person. I did it in your name. I healed people in your name. Cast out demons in your name. Like, to us, that's the mark of a pretty good believer. I mean, Jesus even says, if you abide in me, and I in you, and we remain together, you ask something in, your, in my name, and I'm going to do it. That would seem like a pretty clear answer. But I'm just wondering here, and allow me, the speaker, to not know this, but to just wonder and give you something to think about. Is the thing that was missing at the judgment seat where this guy said, or girl said, look at all the things I did. And the most horrifying answer ever, I, I, I didn't know you. I, I don't count those things. That's terrifying. But let's not get stuck on the terrifying. Is it possible that the thing that was missing was the supernatural love in the doing. Is it possible that that's a dynamic that Jesus is looking for? 
It was said right in the beginning in the, in the, in the um, opening verses. I forget where it was read from. It was Paul's words and it just totally was so encouraging to me where it said the very essence, the very nature of God would be in you that you could respond and act accordingly. That's why these are the greatest commandments. That's why loving difficult people, people that isn't warm and fuzzy, will encourage us that we are using God's love and not something that is right at our fingertips. Because only the things that God does through us will count as lasting fruit. Those are, those are the only things he's interested in. That's really freeing. That's really freeing because in some ways you're off the hook. You don't have to try so hard. You don't have to accomplish so much. You see, sometimes, and I know this, sometimes our parents teach us that the only way to get noticed is to do a lot of really good things. How many of us know this the bad way? Lots of us. You don't have to nod, you don't have to agree, because it's like 70%. I mean, come on. Right? We learn this. And that's the opposite of our Heavenly Father. He's not interested in all the things we can accomplish so he'll take notice of us. He, he notices our humble, willful submission that he would take us so imperfect, so incomplete, and do beautiful, everlasting things through us. John 15, I want to close with this and then I would like to pray for us. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. You gush on one another as I have so graciously poured my love out on you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit. And that your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask my father in my name, he may give to you. These things I commanded you so that you will love one another. As the team comes up, why don't we stand? And I'll, I just want to direct us in, in a very guided, uh, very specific prayer. Because the word of God, when spoken, when agreed upon, and when submitted to, wants to make changes in your life. We have opportunities to change every single Sunday. And so why don't we stand, we'll get the team to come up. (laughs) 
without sinning, I want you to find a person in your life that is really hard to love in your mind. I want you to think about that person that you've tried and tried with, and it just doesn't seem to happen. Even the good things you do, they misunderstand. The hard things that you do, they blow way out of proportion, and you guys just can't seem to make it work. You're not called to be best friends with this person, but you are called to love them as you would love the most lovely person in your life. So with that person in mind, I want us to give this person and this relationship to the Lord. That he would today, in faith, set free any bondage in your mind towards that person. And he would place a vessel of supernatural love with this person's name on it in your heart that is totally, totally available only to them. That you would have an occasion this week to tap into that and lavish it upon them, not because they've earned it. They've done nothing of the sort, which is a lot how God loves us. But that we would tap into that and we would have the freedom to pour that all over them and we could, we could love them with, with, with no fear or doubt or anger or criticism or strings attached because loving people has nothing to do with them and everything to do with us and the Lord. We can love without them earning a single bit of it. And that's supernatural love. God, would you give us this? I ask for the person in all of our minds, and I have one too, that you would give us a special vessel of love for this person from you to us with their name on it that we can give to them at every moment. Lord, I thank you that it is the sweetest, sweetest thing that we have. That I, I believe that it's going to be so attractive to that person. And that that it's going to bless them, even if they don't change. Lord, would we, would we be faithful? Would we have uh, a, just a good reserve to keep moving? And would we look to shower your love on the most unlovely so that we wouldn't be full of a love that is easy and natural, but a love that is hard and long-lasting, that is good fruit? And you ask that we hold your hand and you whisper these things in our ear day after day. We want to do things that last for you, that will count for the kingdom, that will be attractive to unbelievers, that will silence our doubters, that will pour wonderfully, wonderfully hot and yet comforting coals on a person's head. We pray that that would be on our heads as well, Lord, that we would learn firsthand what it means to be loved undeserving. It's a valuable lesson. Would you go with us, Lord, and do something mighty in each of our lives. I expect that and I thank that uh, you for that in advance. In your name we pray. We love you.